Oliver was sharing with me in the van something, and he said, Dad, you should put that in your sermon. I said, I got a better idea. Why don't you put it in the sermon? And so Oliver wanted to share a thought with us uh, for us for Christmas. So, Oliver, go ahead. I really like Christmas because we see family every day. We see, we get presents every, well, sometimes we get presents every day. Um, we, so we see family every day. Um, we worship Jesus every day. And so it's more like a Christmas every day. So, um, that's, this is why I like Christmas so much and why I think it's, like, every day so um we come here and worship jesus every day every sunday so it's more like a christmas we don't need the christmas decorations to make it feel like christmas but it's like christmas with you guys our family and um with jesus thank you oliver all right so let's have christmas Every day, we were on our way to something, and Oliver was sharing, you know, we need to have Christmas every day and remember the presence of the Lord going with us, something along those lines. Thank you, Oliver. That's very good. Uh, we are uh, uh, we are at the series end of Christmas break where I just want to have sort of a concluding thought of the series, but I also want to kind of take a little step back in what we've studied and where we've been and think about where we're going in the future. Uh, so over the last several months, starting back in August, uh, we've basically had a couple of different sermon series. Uh, we had, at the start of August, I taught on baptism. And I asked that you would remember your own baptism, that you would remember the certain components about, you know, what what was going on in your baptism? And that there would be this underlying encouragement that we would reflect back on the day that we decided that we would enter into the baptism waters and share with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. That sometimes in our life we get so busy, we get so hurried, or maybe it was so long ago, you've been doing uh, this Christian life for so long that to look back and reflect and remember there was a day that I decided to truly follow Christ and go into the water and come out a new person in Christ, forgiven and loved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we spent five weeks just looking at different kind of a kaleidoscope look at our baptism, that we join with Jesus in his mission, that we join with Jesus in his body, that we join with Jesus in his forgiveness and love and new life, that we would remember our baptism. And I followed that, remembering our baptism and reflecting on our new life in Christ, with a series focusing in on the Spirit of Christ. That God has given us this gift, this helper, this presence, to go with us, to comfort us, and guide us to walk with Him. And uh, almost like I, I've known what I've uh, been doing all this time, which I don't, you know, it's just trying to, you know, haphazardly go through this. I felt like what our response needed to be to remembering our baptism and to walking with and living our life in the Holy Spirit is that we also needed the reminder and encouragement that we would rest in God. 
that we would take time to enjoy God and find peace and strength and hope in Him every day, that we would slow down and experience and enjoy and exalt Jesus with our lives. The Bible is filled with so many stories of people wandering away from God. The Bible doesn't really pull any uh, anything out of it that would... Um, you know, somehow reflect poorly on God, it's still in there. There's times when you're reading stories in the Old Testament and God is doing some things and you're just kind of like, really? Why did that person need to die? I read to my Sunday school class this morning the story of God giving the quail to the Israelites who were whining and complaining and crying. I'm told that's WCC, whining, complaining, crying. If your kids ever do that, just say, you know, stop with the WCC, whining, complaining, crying. When you'll have to use it with me occasionally. But uh, they were whining, complaining, crying that they didn't have any meat to eat. And God says, well, I'll give you plenty of meat to eat. Here you guys go. And he sends in the quail. And the story is like the quail is like three foot high as far as the eye can see. He says, I'll give you so much quail that it's going to come out your nostrils. That's like, really? That's like, this is disgusting, you know? And then they bite into the quail, and before they can even chew it, they God sends a plague and they die. And then it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's perfect Sunday school material. They're high school kids. They can handle it. Well, they're more junior hires, but whatever. You know, the kindergarten kids, they were crying. But, uh, but it, it's this image of these hearts that have wandered from God. And God is just trying to communicate how serious it is that, our, that when our hearts wander from Him, there is no life when we wander away from God. But over and over again, in God's story, He's trying to say to them, would you just come and trust in me? Would you walk with me? Would you know that I love you and I care for you and I'm going with you? When we started the Sabbath uh, I'm sorry, when we started the Holy Spirit series, I opened with a passage, and it's Exodus 33. And if you want to flip back there, that's great. I'm just going to spend a moment there. But I just want you to see the connection between the Spirit of God and the rest of God. Moses is talking to God, and God's saying, okay, I'm going to have you go and do these things, and you're going to, you're going to go to the promised land and I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to help you lead these people. And Moses is telling God, you know, I get it, thank you, but if you don't go with us, this isn't going to work. I need you. And the Lord says in Exodus 33:14, he says, the Lord replied to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If I could just summarize a great deal of the Bible, it would simply be this. God wants to go with us, and he wants us to find peace and rest and hope and salvation in him. God wants to go with us, and he wants you to have rest and peace and wholeness in God. The story of the Bible starts with a group of people who are encaptured in, or, and enslaved in Egypt. 
And they do some whining, complaining, and crying in the Old Testament over and over again. The story of Exodus is them whining and complaining and crying that they're enslaved. And then once they're delivered, then they start whining and complaining and crying that they aren't back to where they were. The whole reason why God sent the quail was because they were whining that they didn't have cucumbers and melons and meat anymore. Really. It's there. They were whining that they didn't have melons. I've never once whined or complained about that. I hate watermelon. Like, if you want to, like, be mean to me, like, give me a watermelon and say, here you go. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even know how to cut it. Like, I just don't want it. It has to be the most hot day. I am derailed, I know. But it, it has to be the most scorching hot day in summer for me to like watermelon. So I don't sympathize with the Israelites there. But I do sympathize with them in this constant searching for desire and something. And never really quite being satisfied and never really quite finding what I'm looking for. There is a phenomena, and I don't believe it to be new. I think it's been a long, around for a long time. I think even the Israelites suffered from it. And it's, and it's a made-up word, I think. I've done some vetting on it to make sure I'm not, not like blaspheming from the pulpit. But the word is FOMO. F-O-M-O. And it's fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. And this fear drives us to do many stupid things. One of them is to go to whatever our social media device is and go through it and actually literally wonder what it is that other people are doing. And, and then this little feeling sinks in. Oh, I'm, I missed out on that. Or good, I didn't miss out on that. Or and we go back to it. And what's funny is, is that we go to it as tr trying to sort of like answer the problem that's already sort of brewing in us, which is this desire to not miss out. But then we go to the very thing to inform us of what we've missed out on. Instead of appreciating my Christmas, there were moments where I looked at my phone because I wanted to see what other people's Christmases were like. Instead of taking the moment to appreciate what was right in front of me, oh, well, look at what they got, or look at what they did. Oh, that's fun. Instead of appreciating the moment of what God has blessed me with, fear of missing out. The Israelites, looking back at their life, and they would say to God, send us back to Egypt. Send us back there. And God is just scratching his head saying, why do you desire everything else when I'm giving you all that you need right before you? And so God says of this generation, and he says to the Israelites who have been wandering in the wilderness, and he says to them, you're never going to enter rest. There's this real tragic conversation in Exodus 5. I'm kind of bouncing all over the book. I apologize for that, but the story that's going on there in Exodus 5 4, uh, 5 4, in the English Standard Version, it says, Let them go back to their burdens. The NIV translates it, Let them go back to their work, but it really struck me. Let them go back to their burdens. And it was a conversation between Pharaoh and Moses. It was a conversation about letting the Israelites just go back to their work. 
And it's always this conversation. Let them go back to their burdens. And so as I look at what we've done, as we've walked through Scripture, the very worst thing that we could do after learning and remembering and encouraging one another in our baptism, after being reminded and encouraged of a God who is present and with us and walking with us through His Spirit, and after studying and understanding that Jesus came to give us rest and peace, He says, I've come to you all who are weary, and I will give you rest. The very worst thing we could do is say, at the end of all this and in 2020, we could say, let's return back to our burdens. Let's go back to Egypt, and let's go back to fulfilling our desires, and let's go back to over and over and over again trying to fill our lives with the emptiness of this world. And that we would receive the invitation that Jesus has come to give us rest. He has come to give us peace. He has come to give us salvation. He has come to give us His Spirit that we might walk with Him. He has come to bring His kingdom. And it's for you. How do you want to go into the roaring 20s? I think we can call it that again. I wasn't there for the first one. I hear it ended. It ended poorly, I, I hear. I wasn't there. Um, I probably shouldn't joke about that. There's still some that have like actually experienced the 20s. Um, but seriously, though, how do we enter into a new decade with wisdom and discernment, filled with the Spirit? How do we enter into this new cycle and this new rhythm in such a way that we honor God and we draw closer to Him? I think I can safely say that if you're in this room, you are either curious about what is next, you are earnestly longing for more of God and wanting to walk with Him, or you feel God tugging at your heart in one way, shape, or another, but you're not really sure what is next. But I think I can safely say that every last one of us want to have a closer walk with God and a closer walk with the people who are in this room. And so the question becomes, what do we do with that? And I, I don't think it's the same old, same old. I don't think it's just doing what we've always done. I think that it takes a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of accountability and a little bit of a challenge. How do we take Oliver's encouragement seriously that we would practice the presence of God every day of our lives? that we could remember every day is Christmas, that every day is Emmanuel, every day is God with us through His Spirit, that we'd walk closer together with Him. See, Oliver, I brought it in, just like you told me to. Sidetrack, Dan Johnson used to uh, do Sermon in the Bag on Sunday night. No preacher knew what to do on Sunday evening worship. we give it all on Sunday morning, and then they would make they'd drag you back to church Sunday night. It was for all the heathens who missed the morning so they could get their communion. But uh, but Dan, he didn't know what to do. So I, this is me observing as a kid. He would do sermon in a bag, and one kid would bring something in the bag, and they would give it to Dan that night. Then by the end of the night, Dan had to come up with a message. Um, anyways, we might do that for the sermon series for the next year. Uh, no, I don't know why I got sidetracked there. I just thought of that, and uh, I have plenty of issues. But um, 
But how do we enter into a new walk with God in the new year? And maybe not so much new as much as just one that it, one that is really truly honoring to Christ. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Hebrews. And I want to I want to read a significant passage to you, a good chunk of it. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who had obeyed. Now we who have believed entered, enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath of my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. You have to go back to chapter 3 for that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God, God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every, every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, so we just call him the Hebrews preacher. The preacher says there is a rest being offered you. And you can find yourself in the midst of the story of the Israelites who are chasing all of these things and who are wandering and wandering and they never really quite found what they were looking for. Or you can trust and know that this rest that is being offered by Jesus Christ is still something that you can enter into. And it's this peace and it's this love. And so he says, don't be among the disobedient. He says, practice your faith and walk with him. Enter into the peace and rest of God. So where do we go and, and what, do we, what do we do from here? I simply, I simply think that you enjoy God's people. You enjoy God's presence. 
you prayerfully seek His will. I love that that passage is followed by an encouraging uh, encouragement about the Word of God. Let the Word of God be a part of your life. We can list. Uh, we have questions. I, it's kind of fun talking to my Sunday school class. There, I don't know how old they are. They're junior hires and freshmen. And they have a question, and I don't know the answer, and so they Google it, like right there in the moment. I don't know. Let's ask Siri. Let's Google it. Young people are asking very important questions about their walk and their life with God. And it's my responsibility, and it's all of our responsibility, to point them to where there are true answers about the way the world works and what's good and what's right. And it's the living Word of God. And we need the living Word of God active in our own lives, that we don't just surround ourselves with the answers offered by man, but we would let the Word of God pierce our own hearts and divide our soul and let us know where we are broken and where we are hurting. The Word of God be a part of your life. Prayerfully seek God. Embrace His Spirit. And embrace the rest of God. Embrace this truth that Jesus Christ was born and He was crucified. He announced in the midst of all of that that His kingdom was coming and He's made it available to you. And He says, I am coming back. The questions, the questions that we wonder and the questions we ask is, are we ready? Are we prepared? And have we done all that we can do? And the prayer of this Hebrews preacher is simply this. Would you seek God and live faithfully and enter into the rest of God that's still being offered to you? We can get caught up in the fear of missing out on any and every single thing. But let's not miss out on this. Let's not miss out on the love of God that's available for you. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God or what's going on in your life. But I want to. And there are people who want to know what's going on and they want to offer you this. They want to offer you grace and love and peace in Jesus Christ. Remember your baptism. Remember that Christ's Spirit goes with you. And remember to find your peace and rest in Christ alone. Enjoy Jesus Christ, your Lord and your King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this this last year, a year in which uh, we face many challenges and many discouragements, many, uh, many heartaches. And God, for all of those, we give thanks. God, we can give thanks for heartache because it brought us closer to you. And God, uh, through the refining fire of suffering, we have seen what truly matters and how much you truly care for us. And so God, we want to give thanks for hardship And we want to give you thanks for your blessing. Blessing that we have life and we have hope and we have 
a future and looking forward to a new day in you. The blessings of rest and the blessings of your spirit, the blessings of your abundant grace and mercy. And so God, we ask now that you would examine our hearts, that you would show us our arrogance and lead us to humility, that you would show us our pride, that you would show us our anger and our malice and our bitterness, and that you would lead us to your to your mercy, that we would also be merciful, that we would also be gracious and kind to one another. God, through your Spirit, minister to our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength, God, that we would be your humble servants. God, go to work on our hearts that we might have peace and wholeness in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm, uh, I'm pretty terrible at resolutions. I can't think of a single one I actually like made good on, and so I hesitate even saying this phrase. Um, but I just wanted to think about uh, really just one thing. What's the trajectory and what way am I heading? And all of the wandering that I do in my life, what's the, what's the one thing, the sort of guiding light that needs to be the center? And I think it's the king, kingdom of God and Jesus Christ being my king. And so I don't know that I necessarily need to resolve to do this as in like I've not been and I need to start, but so much that when we resolve to do something, we are setting forth in a trajectory. And so I want to resolve to seek first Christ and his kingdom with my life. Now the thing is, if you want to join in on that, awesome. And the other side of it is, is you'll inevitably wander off and screw up. At least I have. Wendy and I uh, are parents of three awesome kids, and they're all amazing. Um, their parents are flawed and broken. You're not supposed to laugh that hard, Dick. Wendy came across a phrase a long time ago, and it's a good reminder about her parenting. There's no guilt and shame for today, only grace and hope for tomorrow. And it's just been a good encouragement and reminder for all those times where you blow up or you have a short fuse or you yell at your kid, and really you're not mad at them, you're mad at you know any number of other things. There's no guilt and shame for today, only grace and hope for tomorrow. I don't know what the year was for you. But you could let all of that lead you away from God or you could say to yourself today, there's no guilt and shame today. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And there is grace and hope for me tomorrow in this new day, in this new year, in this new life in Jesus Christ. I invite you to a fresh start. And it's not just because the calendar is rolling over to January. There's a fresh start every day in Jesus Christ because he's Lord and King over it. I hope you would hear that and you would know that God's love is for you. God cares deeply for you. And so we're going to sing my favorite song to bring in the new year. If you would stand and sing for the glory of Jesus Christ.
Thank you. 